We welcome everyone to the service this morning. Today is Lord's Day, a day in which God has commanded His children to gather together to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And it is indeed a pleasure to be your speaker this morning. The lesson this morning is an old favorite of mine. Uh, this lesson, I think I got it up around 2004. And it's just been a favorite of mine because it has a very good message. Uh, some of you have heard this before, but this is the first time I put it on PowerPoint. So I'm hoping that it will be interesting to you, uh, those of you that have heard it before. The title, Why Did Jesus Choose Judas? Let me start with a question. How many of you, how many of you know a boy or a man named John? How many of you know someone named Matthew or Philip? Well, I'm pretty sure most of us know someone by those names. But let me ask you another question. How many of you know a boy or a man named Judas? Probably not any of us know anyone by that name. Maybe a goat or a dog or something like that, but certainly not a man. And if you do, it would be a very rare occasion. But once there was a mother who held a little baby boy in her arms and kissed that little baby and called her little baby Judas. And she loved him with all of her heart. But now the name of Judas, it's a name of disgrace. It is a name of betrayal. And yet, Jesus chose Judas. The Scripture says in John 6, verse 64, But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray Him. And He said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto Me except it were given unto him of My Father. From that time, many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered Him, Lord, to whom should we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and we are sure that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? And He was speaking of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray Him, being one of the twelve. Now, this does not mean that Judas had been a devil from the beginning, or that he was a devil when Jesus selected him. 
Judas by transgression fell, if we remember, in Acts the first chapter, verse 25. And it is impossible for one to fall from a place that he does not hold or from an office that he does not hold. So, some considerable time had to pass since Jesus was chosen and Jesus, or since Judas was chosen and Jesus gave these words to his disciples. And during that interval, the fall had taken place. Hence, Jesus' use of the present tense that Judas is a devil. Okay? Now, let's fast forward. The scene is now the Garden of Gethsemane. The night is dark. Jesus is praying until the sweat, His sweat is falling to the ground like drops of blood. His disciples are asleep. They could not stay awake with Him. And suddenly there is a sound. Footsteps are heard getting closer and closer and closer. Lighted torches now can be seen getting brighter and brighter and brighter. This secret prayer place that Jesus had with His trusted few there is now filled with people. The Jewish priests are there, their eyes filled with anger. And from that crowd, there steps a man. His name is Judas. And he has a fake smile on his face, but it cannot hide the treachery in his eyes. He steps forward and he plants a kiss on the cheek of Jesus. And he speaks with hypocrisy. Greetings, Master. The King James Version says that he said, Hail, Master. It was the kiss of betrayal. It was the kiss of death. Now, how did all this happen? Did all of this take Jesus by surprise? I mean, after all, Jesus chose that man. Was Jesus a bad judge of character? Did Jesus make a mistake? Well, Jesus never made one mistake. In the book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 37, it's recorded that Jesus has done all things well. Jesus knew exactly what He was doing when He chose Jesus. Which leads us back to our question. If He knew what He was doing, why did Jesus choose Judas? Why would He put a crook into the ministry? Why would he want a double-crosser to represent him? Who would want a man like Judas on their team? Well, these are some good questions, and they deserve some good answers. And I think that in the answer, we will find a word of warning, a word of assurance, and a word of comfort. So the first thing I want you to see in this lesson is the word of warning. Warning of religious 
hypocrisy. In verse 64, he says, But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray Him. Brothers and sisters and friends, Jesus knows who the true believers are. He knows the difference. There are some people today who are going through the motions. They look just like everybody else, but there is a line that separates people today. And that line is those who believe and those who believe not. He's talking about intellectual belief, by the way. The word belief here means heart trust. Jesus knows who trusted Him, and He knows those who do not trust Him. And if you do not trust God, then I'm afraid to say this, but if you don't trust God, then you're not saved. In Acts 16, verse 31, it's recorded, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Now listen very carefully, because this is a word of warning. There are a lot of many people, there are a lot of people today in the same crowd as Judas. You see, Judas had the right stuff. If you had looked at Judas, you would have said, man, what a great guy that guy is. He would look wonderful. He had the right associations. He was right there shoulder to shoulder with the other 11. Now guys, that's pretty good company, isn't it? He was a friend to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he spent three years learning at the feet of Jesus. This guy had the right reputation. When Jesus was at the Last Supper, remember when he said, One of you shall betray me. Now, the other guys didn't say, Oh, I know who it is. It's probably Judas. Yeah, he's talking about Judas. No, no, what did they say? Remember they say, is it I? Is it I? They were wondering who it was. Judas had the right reputation. The Bible says he held the bag. Now, who do you usually want to handle your money? Someone that you trust Someone that has a lot of integrity, right? Judas held the bag. He was the treasurer. Now, not only did he have the right associations and the right reputation, he had the right participation. He was a worker. He went out with the others when they went out to minister along with Jesus. He was right in the middle of that group. We have a lot of folks today like that in the church, I'm afraid. If you are a member of the Lord's church, then you probably have the right associations. 
the right reputation and the right participation. Outwardly, we look pretty good. But remember, the Lord said that there's going to come a day when people are going to stand before Him and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? In Thy name, didn't we cast out devils? In Thy name, we did many wonderful works. But Jesus is going to say to them, Depart from me. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity. Now, brothers and sisters and friends, this should be a warning to all of us. And I want everyone to listen very carefully. The devil does not care if he sends you to hell from the pew or the gutter. It doesn't matter to him as long as that's where you end up. Sometimes I think he would rather send people to hell from the pew. Many people come to church with the right stuff outwardly, but inside they're full of dead men's bones. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, let's dive into this a little bit. The Greek word for that word believe means to entrust, especially one's spiritual well-being to Christ. It means to commit, to put in trust with. Nobody suspected Judas he looked good from the outside. But remember, Paul had warned us about determining who were false teachers by the way they looked. 2 Corinthians 10 and 7. Do you look at things according to the, or do not look at the things accordingly to the outward appearance? Is that going to give you the full picture, brothers and sisters and friends? Listen, you can still go to hell if all you do is look good outwardly. But, Brother Robert, I'm a member of the church that Jesus founded. But do you believe? Do you trust the Lord? Well, Brother Robert, I've been baptized. But do you believe? Do you really trust Him in your life? Oh, Brother Robert, I never miss the church service. But do you believe? Well, my parents raised me in the church. But do you believe? I'm married in the church. I'm a gospel preacher or whatever. But do you believe? Have you totally put your trust in what the Lord will have your life to be? That's a very deep question. The outward stuff is good and necessary, but this should be a warning to all of us. You can still go to hell if all you do is look good outwardly. Paul wrote to Timothy, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. 
For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, listen, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And what's the warning there that Paul gives? From such, turn away. That's why Paul said to let a man examine himself. Because you and I, we can look good to each other. And that is important to a certain point. But what matters is how the Lord looks at you because He can see what's inside. Just because you look good doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. Remember, it was a religious crowd that crucified the Lord. Not only is it a warning, brothers and sisters and friends, but this message, why Jesus chose Judas was a lesson of encouragement, a word of encouragement to us. You might ask, well, Brother Robert, how can this be an encouragement? I'll tell you why. Because the, the other 11 brethren didn't fall. They did not stop serving the Lord. Those other 11 stood strong. So the message is, don't let some Judas in the church cause you to turn away from the church. Every once in a while, somebody will say, did you know that there are hypocrites in the church? Oh, really? I'm glad you told me that. I've been in the church for 52 years, preaching for over 40 of those years. I would have never known if you hadn't have told me. There has been and there will always be hypocrites in the church. The Bible warns us the enemy sows the tares among the wheat. You know, the other day Stacy bought some eggs and one of them was a hypocrite. It was broke. But we didn't stop eating eggs just because one of them was bad. My dad used to say, I had rather spend a couple of hours each week with a few hypocrites than to spend eternity with all of them. Think about that. That brings it home, doesn't it? And I suppose that when it really hurts the most is when we find hypocrites in the ministry. Nothing hurts any more than when we have one of our preachers to fall away. Have you ever been out at night and have you ever seen a, a falling star? You know, everybody says, look, look, a falling star. You know why they say, look, look? It's because you don't normally see that. It's something special. Stars don't normally fall. 
Actually, it's a falling rock out of order, but that's beside the point. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Every time someone puts out or points out a rat in the ministry or some hypocrite in the church, it is only a testimony that the church, God's church, the church that Jesus bled and died for, has been around for nearly 2,000 years. And just like the stars in heaven, there's a lot of those still there, even though one may fall now and then. Judas was a hypocrite, but not Peter. Judas was a hypocrite, but not James. Not John and Andrew and Mark and Paul. Brothers and sisters and friends, God was still in control. When Stacy bought that dozen eggs and one of them was bad, we didn't stop eating eggs. Oh, we checked them a little closer now before we buy them. Okay, we do that, but we don't stop eating eggs. Why do people look at the church and they find any and every excuse they can find because there might be a hypocrite here and there. we got to understand, this is a lesson of encouragement why Jesus chose Judas. It was a word of warning. It was a word of encouragement. And folks, Jesus chose Judas because He wanted us to have a word of comfort. Look at the divine sovereignty here. The, real, the reliability of the Scriptures. In John 6, verse 64, Jesus says, But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray Him. In John 13, verse 18, Jesus says, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scriptures may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Now it is common knowledge, or it is commonly thought to be knowledge, that Jesus is quoting Psalms 41 and verse 9 a passage that they were all familiar with, of how David was betrayed. Remember John 6 and John 13 was before the betrayal of Jesus. Psalms 41 and 9, David says, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I have trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. This verse was quoted by Jesus before Judas betrayed him. Jesus knew that David was a type of himself and remembering how David had been betrayed by Ahithophel, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to be betrayed the very same way. Now that's important. So Jesus applies these same words to describe Judas. You see, they were familiar with David and Jesus says now, I'm going to be betrayed the very same way. Now you keep that in the back of your mind. 
Jesus foretells what is going to take place before it happens. Okay? Get a handle on that. Look at the similarities. They both betrayed their Lord. Both held positions of trust. Both were accustomed to eat bread with the one betrayed. Both were friends of the one they betrayed. Both were defeated in their mission. Both committed suicide when their mistake became evident to them. You know, Jesus was very popular, very um, smart to use symbols and examples that the crowd that he was with would understand. Okay? So he gives them this illustration. And notice, Jesus says, Now I tell you, before it comes, when it has come to pass, ye may believe that I am He. Jesus says, look, I've chosen you. And I, knew, I know who I've chosen. I know that there is one of you who does not believe in me, and he is the devil. So, when it happens, remember, remember, I told you it was going to happen before it even taken place. When you see me betrayed, then you will know that I am the Messiah and that you can believe in me. Did you know that Judas preached a wonderful sermon that Jesus was the Messiah? Have you ever thought about that? Of all the apostles, of all the writers of the New Testament, Judas gave one of the best sermons that Jesus was who He was. This demon of a man preached a powerful sermon to the validity of Jesus. Now, did Judas have a choice? Of course he did. Was Judas forced to betray Jesus? Certainly not. God gave Judas a choice. God loved Judas. God wanted Judas to be saved, just like He wants all of us to be saved. But Judas made the wrong decision. And we have a choice. Well, you may say, if that's true, how was it that it was prophesied to happen if Judas had a choice? That's a pretty good question. Let me tell you, God sees the future even before it happens. I don't understand that with my little human mind. But God knew exactly what Judas would do before he did it. Did Judas have a choice? Absolutely. Did God know that it was going to happen? Yes, he did. Is God still in charge? Oh yes, without a doubt. God is still in charge. It's an amazing thing. Human responsibility and divine sovereignty. You and I deal with time. What time is it? What time do you want to eat? What time? God deals with eternity. It blows my mind. I can't figure it out. But you know what? I don't have to figure it out. Because I can look at the evidence. I can, I can look at this sermon that Judas preached of the validity of Jesus. A devil of a man. And it gives me encouragement. It gives me hope. The past, the now, the future 
It's all alike with God. Yes, Jesus chose Judas to give us a word of warning, a word of encouragement, a word of comfort, and He chose Judas to give us a word of personal responsibility and the tragedy of sin. You see, Judas was responsible for what he did. He was not a machine. He was not forced to do anything. God looked in the future. Jesus looked in the future. He knew the choices that were going to be made, and He chose Judas. The Bible clearly tells us that Judas was a thief. Do you know that? Judas was a thief. John 12, verse 4. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And I had the bag, and had the bag, excuse me, and bear what was put therein. Did John really know the character of Judas? John calls him a thief. John said Judas did not care for the poor. John said it was Judas which should portray him. Did John know something and did not tell anybody about it? Did all of the disciples know about Judas and just let him get away with it? No, no. John wrote the Gospel of John around A.D. 90, A.D. 100, somewhere in that, that area. So John had the advantage of hindsight going for him when he wrote this and 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 when he told Timothy, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. The Greek words here are God-breathed, meaning that the canonical writings are absolutely trustworthy. They are absolutely they absolutely did not know the true character of Judas or they would have tried to intervene. They would have tried to warn Jesus if they had known it at the time. I mean, just like any of us. We don't want bad things to happen in our congregation. So we would speak up. You see, sin deceived Judas. After he had realized what he'd done, the Bible says he went to the chief priest and the elders, and he gave the money back. Matthew 27, verse 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to it. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went, and hanged himself. Brothers and sisters and friends, he literally threw the money back at him. Jesus is no longer under the Holy Spirit conviction anymore. Judas now is remorseful. He knows it was the devil that tempted him, and it was the devil who deceived him. He wanders until he finds a tree of some kind growing over a cliff, and he finds some rope, and he ties a hangman's knot puts it around his neck, ties it on the tree, and hangs himself. 
steps off hoping to get rid of the shame that he feels for betraying his Lord. That rope tightens around his neck, maybe breaking his neck, but most likely it literally chokes him to death. And he hangs there until his breath is gone, his heart stops, but his soul keeps on living. Brothers and sisters, we need to understand suicide doesn't end at all. Suicide ends our earthly life, but our soul lives <coughs> on. No matter how bad it gets here in this life, it's not over. It's not over. This is an important lesson for us today, why Jesus chose Judas. Judas was so full of guilt that he just wanted to end it all. Remember, he wasn't a believer. He didn't trust God. He was one who did not believe. Don't be tempted by the devil if, they, if these thoughts of suicide enters into your mind. Because it does not end it all. Listen. He hangs there one day, two days, three days, a week. I don't know how long he hangs, but the Scripture doesn't tell us. But while he's dangling at the end of that rope, his body begins to bloat. The natural gases builds up. The vultures are probably pecking at him. There's probably those flies on him. Probably maggots. The stench is terrible. It's an awful sight. And we do not know if his body just decayed and fell or if somebody just got tired of looking at it and took a sword and just cut him down. I don't know. But when he fell, he fell down and his guts just bursted wide open. Now some of you may be thinking, Brother Robert, I was planning on eating after this now. Yeah, why are you giving me all that? Because sin is awful. And we want to understand that Sin in your life is awful. We don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't want it to sound pretty because sin is not pretty. Sin is disgusting. And we see a picture of that. Listen, his sin deceived him. His sin destroyed him. The devil was guilty of false advertising. Judas, where's your friends now? Judas, where's your money now? Judas, where's your power? Judas, where's your prestige now? Everything's gone. Acts 1 and verse 15. Just so that you, not make, you know that I'm not making this up. And in those days Peter stood in the midst of his disciples and said the number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, 
This scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas. It was prophesied. Which was God to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of his iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist and all of his bowels gushed out. I wasn't making that up, folks. It really did happen. Now, the commentators feel like that he's referring to Psalms 41 and 9 and it may be a combination of Psalms 69 and 109. Those of you that may be taking notes. But before we leave Judas, I want us to notice, Judas did not end his life when he hung himself. People want, want to say, oh, I'll commit suicide, I just want to get rid of it. I don't know how many friends that you've had commit suicide, but I've had several. I feel compelled to bring this message. You do not end it all when your body dies. Judas had a choice. Why did Jesus choose Judas? A word of warning, a word of encouragement, a word of comfort, a word of personal responsibility and the tragedy of sin. Judas had a choice and today we have a choice. Brothers and sisters and friends, there are two kinds of people on planet earth. Those who say like Jesus to God, remember when Jesus said, not my will, Father, but thine be done. That's one category. And the other ones are those that say like Satan, when he spoke to God, not thy will, but mine be done. We had a lesson on that a couple of months back. Jesus says there are two categories of people, the saved and the lost. Listen, Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Now when you Add that to when the Lord says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I don't know about you, but I've had it up to here where these people say that I love Jesus and they don't do what Jesus commands them to do. Jesus says, if you're not with me, you are against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Now, remember, remember the first of the lesson I said that Judas looked a lot like you and I. But the question of the hour now is, and I want everyone to ask yourselves, do I look like Judas? Judas.